Welcome to the very first IPX True North podcast, where we connect people, processes, and tools. I'm your host, Chris Anderson. Talking about IPX's Rise Initiative and why a third party should lead your DEI program. And with that, we have two expert guests coming to talk and dive into this topic. We have Stacey Hegarty, who's the Global Director of Equity and Inclusion at IPX, and Michael Benning, who is the Executive Director of True North Calibration at IPX. I'm Stacey Hegarty. I'm the Global Director of Equity and Inclusion at IPX. Um, I have been with the organization for nearly three years now. My first career was uh, 20 years in higher education, specifically higher education administration. And then I came to IPX, where I not only run the diversity, equity, and inclusion platform, but I also run the academia department. So my background is in anthropology. I have a bachelor's and a master's in anthropology. I also have a master's in higher education. So this has fit really well into the the areas that I'm very excited about talking about and comfortable talking about. Michael, would you like to introduce yourself? Great, by all means, ladies first. Thanks, and it's uh, you're a tough act to follow, Stacy. But my name is Michael Benning, and it's great to be with you. Um, as uh, as as Chris said, my role is as executive director here at IPX, and uh, my background is predominantly uh, from oil and gas. I've been with uh, with IPX a couple of years now, um, and uh, that experience has been in in a number of roles, mo- mostly in. Uh, uh, in an engineering capacity in uh, project management and various operations management roles. So, you know, one of the things that uh, that we are that we specialize in here at IPX and maybe the the area that we're known best for is CM2 and change and configuration management. And uh, and and as we work with companies, a big part of that is is often about more than the nuts and bolts of change and configuration management when it comes to products. It's also about creating a transformation, getting the organization to work differently and to work better um, in, and create a step change. And, and one of the things that, that we, we often find is we engage uh, organizations in that change management journey and, and the people side of that journey uh, we find a need to, um, and we and we 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 are asked for help in the in the diversity and equity and, and inclusiveness space, and and really that's the the genesis of of this podcast today. Yeah, that and thank you for those introductions. A lot of background, a lot of expertise coming to IPX. Just diving into it for those who might not know, who uh, is IPX or what is IPX, Michael? Um, IPX is the Institute for Process Excellence, and, and one of the key areas that we've historically focused on is uh, is change management and uh, and helping companies manage um, their products and their services and their processes from um, from the organizational aspects and roles and responsibilities and engagement to uh, the individual processes, um, and then also holistically to think about. Uh, the data and end product life cycle and uh, and the and the systems that enable and support that. So a holistic uh, approach. And within that, you guys have the Rise program. Would you want to dive into that a little bit as well before we really get into the nuts and bolts of the DEI and why that third party within that is important? 
Sure. So in I, at IPX, we talk a lot about people, processes, and tools. And RISE, which stands for Respect Through Inclusion, Service, and Equity, is actually two, th- two of those pieces. It is people and it is process. So it, the whole platform is designed to look at people and the processes together. So when you're looking at equity programs, figuring out where you are right now, uh, where your people are, who you are as an organization is the first step because you can't move forward from, from that without having that. So the first thing that we do is we take an employee survey and the survey is centered purely around diversity, equity, and inclusion as it stands today within the organization. Then we go and we look at policies, procedures, and processes. A lot of inequity can be found in those policies. They're in, they're in your employee handbook. They're in the way that your meetings run. They are the little things that come up that make people in underrepresented groups continue to feel underrepresented or that their, their input or their voice doesn't really matter in the organization. After we've done that, then we start looking at training opportunities for the workforce. So that's when you start getting into what a lot of people would think of as sensitivity training. And that's not what this is. This is more about getting culturally competent and being able to understand people who are not like you. We're only the experts in our own lived experience. We can't be experts in anybody else's experience, but we can at least get a glimpse into what happens in other communities and how what we do at work every day can either lift up other communities or can contribute to keeping other communities in a position of less power and less influence within the organization. The last thing that we do as part of the RISE platform is monitoring and follow-up. We do think that diversity, equity, and inclusion is measurable in some ways. Some ways it's not, but in some ways it is. And part of the process is setting benchmarks for the organization. I don't come in and tell a company what they should or shouldn't do. What I do is help them look at where they are right now and think towards the future and what they can do differently in order to make their organization much more inclusive and give a sense of belonging to the employees. So it's not enough to do any one of those things and hope that it's going to fix whatever inequities you've got going on within your organization. But if we measure it and then follow up on it and we can make adjustments as we go along, I've had organizations say, well, right now about 20% of our population is, is not white. Um, We would like to raise that up to 45% of our organization being people of color. And we want to do that in the next nine to 12 months, probably unrealistic, but being able to set those goals can at least help you keep focused on it. Because if you're not measuring it, you're not going to monitor it. Stacy said something really important. I want to build on that. You know, she talked about uh, initiating the process with uh, with an employee survey and 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 beginning to gather that feedback. And I think, you know, it's really an important step. And I think the important piece to remember there is ultimately trust is is an enormous issue and really the key issue. And so it's very important that that leadership is viewed as listening and seeking to engage, seeking to understand, seeking to build that trust. And so that's really the right way to start. 
And, you know, Mike, you bring up a, a, a good point on top of that, which is when we do the employee surveys, they're completely anonymous. So senior leadership doesn't have the opportunity to maybe take a guess at who responded to what and kind of be have an emotional reaction to it. I, when I used to be a college president, we would do, uh, not employee, student surveys every year. And sometimes because the colleges uh, that I worked for were so small, I could actually identify what student was responding based on whatever they said in their comments. And the human reaction to that is you kind of get your feelings hurt. And I know I felt like, well, geez, I thought we dealt with this six months ago. How is this student still upset about this? And rather than being able to take an objective look at what the student was actually telling me in that survey, which really what it was, was it wasn't fixed. I thought it was but it wasn't. I got my emotions all wrapped up in this. When you've got somebody else administering the survey and analyzing the results, we don't have an emotional connection to the workforce, to a particular company's workforce at all. We don't know who the particular employees are. We're not aware of any past things that may have come up that are now coming up again in the employee in the employee survey. So I think that's a really big benefit to having IPX come in and administer these surveys. I think a lot of companies, they want to do it on their own. And that comes from a good place. But you you your emotions are involved in it. And it's hard to fix things when your heart is kind of hurting and feeling like, gosh, I do they really think these bad things about this organization when yep. it's not personal? Yep. And I think it's also very difficult to fix issues that, uh, that aren't brought to the surface. So transparency mm-hmm. uh, is key. And sometimes an honest broker, a third party coming in to gather that data can be uh, the difference maker in getting mm-hmm. all the data making employees feel comfortable to share that, share that information. Yeah. I think that's a a really crucial part, especially how you guys mentioned the, the surveys being anonymous, because when I was in the corporate world as well and and seeing the corporation trying to make differences, they, like you said, they they come uh, from a good, good place trying to make these changes, but whether it be the past leadership years ago, really tarnished that trust. Or again, they're just not seeing the results. I think that's a really good point as why and how IPX comes in with that third party kind of perspective on things. Indeed. Chris, hey, if I could add something to that, I think yeah. you, know, you mentioned third party. And I think an additional important benefit is the message that bringing in a third party tends to send to the organization, and namely that as leadership, we're not trying to squeeze yet another initiative into an already full suite of initiatives being run by leaders. We're taking this uh, different approach. We're treating this differently and seeking to do this in a different way. And I think that sends uh, a, a very important message about the priority that leadership puts on. Yeah, Mike, that's an excellent point. Uh, One thing that we see happening in diversity, equity, and inclusion world is uh, companies understand that this is critical to their growth. It's critical to being able to build an innovative workforce, but they're trying to do it with existing workforce. So rather than 
hiring a diversity, equity, and inclusion practitioner into the workforce, they're tapping people who are already maxed out, whether that is looking at human resources and saying, okay, well, you can also add this to your plate. And I think most HR people would agree that they already have very full plates, or they're looking around their company and seeing visibly diverse people and saying, okay, this person should run an employee resource group, or let's talk to this person over here about what their experience is being a person of color in our workplace. Visible diversity is great uh, to have within your organization. It's also just one kind of diversity, and you don't really understand fully who your employees are just by looking at them. So bringing in a third party that can kind of not only draw that out a little bit, and we do that through our surveys, but to also be the person whose job it is to make sure that diversity, equity, and inclusion is not only important to the organization, but is elevated to the level of senior leadership within the organization. That's another issue that we see with companies trying to do diversity, equity, and inclusion initiatives on their own um, they don't have the budget for it, especially as we are here in 2020, uh, coming up on the end here. We all know what this year has been like. It's turned everybody's budgets upside down. And trying to do this without having a budget and without having uh, a, a person who has standing within the organization really just waters it down to the point where it's almost not worth it. So having a third party come in who isn't really reporting to anybody within the organization can give you a really honest look at what's going on within your organization. Yeah. And Stacey, you know, you mentioned, you talked a little bit about the priority um, and I, and, and in the context of 2020, and I think, um, you know, and a really, really important point for me is uh, 2020 looks different in, in a number of respects, but I think the other respect apart from the pandemic and the, and, and all the disruption that that has caused, I think 2020 looks different from a social justice perspective. I think you know the 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 visibility of social activism and and um, and all of the things happening in that space makes 2020 look different. And and one of the things that we're seeing in many clients is taking the opportunity to differentiate themselves in that place and get closer to um, to their core values in a very material way and demonstrate their commitment to that. Well, and you know what they say about uh, demonstrating commitment. If you show me your budget, I can tell you what your values are. That it reminds me, uh, because I've done it myself, is when you <laughs> hear all these DIY people uh, doing all these like fixer-upper type things, and they don't want to necessarily hire a professional because they can save money and they can do it themselves, or the mindset that they can do it themselves, mm -hmm. uh, where in turn, at the end of that, you either have an outcome that's not what you wanted <laughs> and not as good as what you should have had, or you end up paying a professional anyways to fix what you've <laughs> messed up and right. make it better and you spend more money. So I think that's why just finding that budget space to, to hire the professionals like IPX to come in, save so much headaches, so much time, and, and the outcome is really the benefit with it all. You know, I think one of the one of the most common responses that I see in employee surveys is uh, you, you can almost hear the the person who's responding in the comments sigh as they say, "We're doing this again. It didn't work last time." 
well, let's find out why it didn't work because there are reasons for it. And we don't want organizations to fail at this. It is too important and you really don't get a second chance from your workforce because they've seen you do it before. They've seen you not do it well. They've seen you do it in a way that felt dismissive of their concerns. So when you get around to trying to fix what's been done already, it really makes it hard sometimes to get people to to get on board again when they feel like we've seen this before. You guys tried to do this in the past and you didn't follow through and nothing has changed. Indeed. Yeah, that's a great point. And I think oftentimes you see that in, in uh, show up in subsequent surveys, right? Oftentimes mm-hmm. the lack of follow through can be worse than not starting at all. Right. Uh, it tends to frequently reinforce negative perceptions that may have been there. And it shows if, just from an external perspective, I think going back to the commitment of uh, show me where your money's going to the employees, to the, mm-hmm. to the organization, like really emphasize that. Like we care so much about this topic. We're willing to spend and bring professionals in to get it done right the first time. Mm-hmm. Because I mean, uh, I see here as a white male and uh, with that mm-hmm. and, and trying to increase diversity, I mean, it's, it's an, it's a hard topic for me because I, I just don't know so much about it. And probably a lot of these organizations deal with the same thing. Yeah, you're right, Chris. Uh, the the uh, percentages for senior leadership, it's about 70% white men. And that's, that's not a criticism necessarily, but uh, white men tend to be uncomfortable in that space. And it's, it's hard to not feel like either you're being demonized or to feel like I, I don't have any standing in this space to start talking about it with my employees. Reading a couple of books is great. I encourage everybody to do that. That's not the only thing that you should be doing within your organization. So having a third party come in can take some of that, those, those tough feelings away a little bit uh, because people tend in senior leadership tend to feel like they're a little underprepared to have these kinds of difficult conversations. They can be really uncomfortable and that's okay. We want you to be able to, we want employees to be able to voice their concerns. We want to be able to have difficult conversations in order to make the workplace more inclusive of everybody. It makes everybody better. If you look at the statistics, uh, it's about 19 to 20% increased revenue in organizations that are considered to be more diverse than their counterparts. So there is, there's a business argument for this. There's also the human argument of we really do want to lift everybody up within the organization. And I think oftentimes, you know, this, this uh, getting back to the white males, that's something I can relate to. But I think <laughs> the, the areas where it is difficult or more difficult for me to relate to requires um, a certain vulnerability uh, mm-hmm. of leaders to, to go there, to have uh, the courage to, to accept that feedback uh, where there are negative, um, negative examples and be willing uh, to move forward in the right way and, mm-hmm. uh, and, that trust and uh, and show the courage to be vulnerable and do the right thing. I think a lot of times it's easy to look at someone and decide based on their title and how they appear that they can't possibly understand what an uh, what a person from an underrepresented community is going through. And what we don't always understand by just 
assuming by the way somebody looks is we don't know if maybe they are personally dealing with a disability or they have a brother who is a member of the LGBTQ community, or we've got perhaps somebody that is, you know, a veteran dealing with PTSD and that can show up in the workplace as well. We don't know everything just by looking at somebody's gender or race. So what RISE does is it really digs further into the ways that we are diverse. Even if when we look at the C-suite within our organization and say, okay, yeah, they are mostly white men, there's maybe one man of color and there's one woman. We don't know everything about those people. So we want to give everybody the opportunity to really start to build some empathy and build some compassion and not assume that we know somebody's heart and somebody's intentions just by looking at them. It's so easy to judge just by kind of looking at someone. You never know what's going on, what they're dealing with, what they've been through. And so I think that uh, just again, cause, and it, you work with people all the time in your corporation and, and everything like that. And so you almost kind of don't think about that, about what they could be going through. Cause you're so used to just how they act and how they talk and, um, and how you guys interact. And so bringing in this third party rise with IPX is, I think it just another, another benefit to that. Um, because again, an external perspective and really kind of getting deep within what people are doing with. Mm-hmm. You know, I think one thing that I hear a lot from from leadership within organizations is I don't have time to manage people's feelings, people's experiences. I have this list list of tasks which are important to the organization, and I don't want to become a counselor for people. And this isn't about becoming a counselor. Frankly, I don't want the CFO of an organization to become a counselor. I don't want the department manager to try to to bolster somebody's mental health in a, in a therapeutic way necessarily. This is about coaching. This is about getting the organization to be better at this. We're not going to fix anything for individuals by uh, pretending that we have expertise that we don't, uh, especially with uh, diversity, equity, and inclusion in the workplace and that, that's, a, that's a real danger sometimes is that uh, people want to help fix all of the problems. Well, let's start with fixing the systemic issues within the organization, and then we can look at some other things, but making sure to understand that there is a difference between counseling and coaching, and this is about coaching. Yeah, indeed. You know, I want to build on that, Stacey. I think for me, uh, it's important to recognize that certainly leadership in the organization has uh, is an enormous role to play. But uh, the improvement plan that addresses the gaps uncovered in, in in the in the baseline and in the survey has to be broadly owned. It has to be owned mm-hmm. throughout the organization and uh, and and committed to to be successful. Exactly. Again, this has just brought up a lot of good information, perspective for why this program, why Rise is so crucial, especially right now where we are in the world in 2020 coming to an end. So hopefully coming out, coming into 2021, we can start, corporations can start implementing, reaching out to you guys to start creating this DEI program so they can start 
moving in the right direction when it comes to diversity uh, and equity and inclusion. Um, and, and on top of that, I mean, it benefits the people in the organization. It helps them, just shows how much the corporation really cares and in turn can help the corporation, like you said, has a 19 to 20% increase in revenue with more diversity. So when you're able to bring that together and then obviously filtered out into the community, I mean, because everything is connected. And, and so again, just so crucial having uh, an external program like this coming in. Yeah. And I, I would say if back in June, you ran some marketing pieces that had rainbows on it and celebrating pride month, if you haven't done anything since to bring your LGBTQ employees into the fold a little bit better, I can promise you they're judging you harshly for that. And it's not just LGBTQ, but um, if you made a public statement on behalf of the organization regarding Black Lives Matter, but you haven't done anything further, you need to start doing it because your employees have been waiting months to see it happen. Some employees have been waiting years to see it happen. Yeah, definitely getting more action, more than just a superficial quote unquote yeah. show. Marketing is not equity and inclusion. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think this has been a good amount of information to maybe even open the eyes of people to, to see that there's something out here that they can incorporate now into their organization that they might not have known before. Before we do kind of wrap things up, I would I would love for you each to share just maybe a closing statement or idea for the listeners. For me, just a couple of thoughts, two things that jump to mind immediately. I think one is it's uh, first and foremost, it's about doing the right thing. It's about moving incrementally closer to your 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 corporate core values and uh, your personal core values as a as a as a person in the organization and and as a leader. Uh, of people in the organization. So one is it's about core values and two, it's just really about creating an opportunity for your workforce to be engaged and uh, creating the environment where they can realize their potential in the long term. So I, I think for me, what I'd like to say is really take a hard look at what your organization is doing. Go look at your mission statement. Look at your vision statement. If you've got anything in there regarding diversity, equity, inclusion, belonging, anything like that, and you're not living up to it, you need to really consider what your next step is. Uh, I've worked for organizations before that were very uh, upfront in their desire to be in a diverse company yet they were not ready to be an inclusive organization. And you can hire diversity all day long, but if your organization doesn't give them a feeling of belonging and inclusiveness, you will lose those people as well. So there's a lot of opportunity here for some uh, some soul searching. And if we can be of help in that way, I I'm happy to help in whatever way I can. Uh, my goal is for organizations to walk away from the RISE experience ready to go and ready to make their culture stand on its own so that it's not being led by one person. And if that one person decides to go to a different organization, all of a sudden the whole culture of a company changes, that happens. So we want, we want RISE to become a part of the DNA of your organization. It's like the quote I've heard, Rising tide floats all boats. Mm -hmm. It's something to really think about going forward. Uh, I'm sure people could probably connect with both of you on LinkedIn. Yep. Um, if they wanted to, 
Um, and also, if you guys want more information, you can go to ipxhq.com and find out more about these programs and get connected uh, with all of the individuals there. Uh, so, Michael, Stacy, thank you again for sharing your expertise on the IPX True North podcast. Great. Thanks, Chris. It was fun. Thank you for tuning in today. Don't forget to subscribe and review the show. And for more information on IPX, visit ipxhq.com.